Welcome to Exhale, a podcast series where we explore topics on spirometry and respiratory care. Your hosts are Mark Russell, Marketing Communications Manager, and Jansen Lanier, National Sales Manager and Respiratory Therapist for Vitalgraph US, a global leader in respiratory diagnostics. Since May is Asthma and Allergy Awareness Month, Mark and Jansen interviewed Dr. Garen Wolf of Wolf Allergy and Asthma in Detroit, Michigan. She is qualified to treat both the adult and pediatric population for diseases that involve allergies, asthma, and the immune system. Well, welcome, Dr. Wolf. Thanks for coming to our podcast. Thank you very much for having me as a guest. Please give us a little background on yourself, education, experience, and your current responsibilities. So I am, as you stated, Dr. Garen Wolf, Chief Allergy Immunology Physician at Wolf Allergy and Asthma, Detroit's premier allergy practice. My background involves a lot of traveling between the Midwest and the East Coast. So here it goes. I received a Bachelor of Arts in Neuroscience at Wellesley College, located in Wellesley, Massachusetts. I then returned to my hometown, Detroit, Motor City, Motown and received a Master of Medical Science at Wayne State School of Medicine. Now, research has always been an interest of mine, so I applied and received the National Institute of Health's Intramural Research Training Award, which is IRTA for short. I moved to Maryland, uh, conducted research on the taste receptor system. After that award ended, I entered Indiana University School of Medicine, where I earned my medical degree, my medical doctorate. And I completed my internal medicine residency at Summa Health, Akron City Hospital in Ohio, then returned to Indiana University for Allergy Immunology Fellowship. And again, now I am Chief Physician of Wolf Allergy and Asthma. Wonderful. Getting right into it, what, what would you say are seasonal allergies? So seasonal allergies are allergic reactions commonly caused by pollen and mold. The term, the medical term is seasonal allergic rhinitis. And many people are confused when I say rhinitis. So I'll break the word down. Rhine is Greek for nose and itis means inflammation. So if you put it all together, it's seasonal, seasonal allergic rhinitis means seasonal allergies that inflame the nose. So how do you know if you have them? But also with the the age that we're in, how do we know that it's seasonal allergies and not COVID? Ah, great question. So first with seasonal allergies, what you'll notice, to be honest, those symptoms can overlap to some extent. So common symptoms are nasal congestion, runny nose. Now you won't get itchy eyes or itchy throat or itchy ears, but that nasal congestion and runny nose can overlap. However, with allergies, these will usually happen with a change of the seasons. So each season has a different pollen. So when I used to live in Maryland, uh, signs of spring were those beautiful cherry blossoms along the Washington Monument. But when I would get next to them, I would immediately have a runny nose and stuffy nose and itchy eyes. And for patients that live near or on a farm, they often say, Dr. Wolf, I have this liquid dripping down the back of my throat, which is called post-nasal drip. I cough. And that usually occurs around harvest season, which is mid-September. Now, if you have COVID, symptoms of COVID, 
you know, the COVID has been a, a range of symptoms, right? So you can have the stuffy nose. That was one variant. Lack of taste and smell is not an allergy symptom. Traditionally, antihistamine would work more for allergies than they would for COVID symptoms, for example. But a lot of times when people have allergies, they'll have those stuffy nose and runny nose and sneezing and itching with the change of the seasons. And in COVID, you don't see that type of pattern. Well, great. Since May is our national asthma and allergy awareness month. So how are ways that our listeners, our patients, or maybe our healthcare professionals, ways to diagnose allergies? So the way to diagnose allergies, when a patient comes to me, they have an inkling that they have an allergy because they're having, as we mentioned, the the runny nose, the stuffy nose, the itchy eyes with change of the seasons or when they're outdoor or when they're around their cat or their dog. And they're usually really upset when they're around their cat or their dog. So the first is clinical history. We always in medicine look at clinical history. And the second are actual tests. So there are two ways you can test someone for allergies. And that's when you come to an allergist immunologist like myself. And that's a skin test and a and a blood test. So I'll discuss what those tests actually do and then explain the test. The skin test and the blood test, um, they detect something in your body called immunoglobulin E, which is IgE for short. So the job of your immune system is to control how your body defends itself. If you have an allergy to a pollen, for example, like maple tree, your immune system will see that pollen as an invader. It will overreact. It will produce IgE, which will interact with cells that will release chemicals to cause an allergic reaction. And that allergic reaction is runny nose, stuffy nose, and sneezing. So when it comes to tests, we test you for trees, grasses, weeds, molds, specific for your city and your region. Plus, we test you for indoor allergens, cockroach, dust mite, cat, dog, those things. And each of those allergens are available in a liquid form. And we use a small tool called a lancet. And that word sounds way scarier than it is, uh, but it's less than half the length of your pinky finger and it resembles a toothpick. And it's actually sitting in a little well filled with a specific allergen. So let's take that maple tree, for example, that little lancet is sitting in liquid full of, of maple tree. And we take it out and we scratch your back or your forearm. We never break the skin. And depending on the office, you'll have about 40 to 70 scratches on your back or your forearm. Again, each scratch represents an allergen, whether it's Timothy grass or maple tree or birch. And after 15 minutes, we can tell you if you have an allergic reaction because you'll have a little bump on your skin. So skin test. The second is blood test. Blood test basically detects that IgE level uh, that is bound to whatever allergen we're testing you for. Interesting. Is there any particular common allergen out there? Is it pollen? Is it, or is it just a multifaceted out there, depending on the person? That's a great question. Depends on the person and depends on the location. Some grasses, like Timothy grass, it's an invasive species. It's pretty much everywhere in the United States. But then in some areas of the country, their greater allergens are 
for example, in Florida, they have different types of allergens than they would in, let's say, Detroit, Michigan, when it comes to trees and grasses, even different types of cockroach are different. So it really depends upon where you live. Okay. So what do you do when, you know, your allergy test comes back negative? Is that you done? You just leave or, or do you continue on the, uh, the search? It is the most stressful when we scratch your back, you have 40 to 70 scratches on your back and you know you have a stuffy nose and you know you have a runny nose and you know that you're up at night and you're sneezing all the time. And we say, I'm sorry, it's negative. And patients say, Dr. Wolf, that can't be. I have these symptoms. So I always, I always tell patients, take a deep breath. It does not mean you have imagined your symptoms. I believe you. You do not have allergic rhinitis. You do not have allergy of the nose. Your immune system is not reacting to trees, but instead you have something called or diagnosis called non-allergic rhinitis, which hmm. means you are having symptoms to airborne pollutants, humidity, um, odors, even certain foods, beverages, and medications may cause you to have stuffy or runny nose. And sometimes when patients think about it, they say, you know what? Yeah, when I have spicy food, my nose drips. Or when I'm in really humid weather, I have a stuffy nose. Mm. And it, everything you know, pulls itself together. The treatment is somewhat similar. We use nasal sprays, but we don't use an antihistamine because antihistamines are used for allergy. And with a negative skin test, you don't have an allergy. So we tend to not use antihistamines. So what are some of the other common treatments for it? Let's do it both ways where it's uh, for one that tests positive and one that tests negative. So if you test positive, people are usually very excited. And so the first thing we say the gold standard treatment for allergic rhinitis, allergy of the nose, and that encompasses sneezing and itchy eyes, all of that, everything's tied together, is steroid nasal sprays. Now, nasal sprays aren't everybody's favorite. People don't like sticking things up their nose, but when their allergies are bad, they say, Dr. Wolf, I'll just, I'll, I'll do anything. So first, uh, nasal steroids, such as Flonase, the generic name is fluticasone. And for steroid nasal sprays to be effective, you have to use it every single day for at least three weeks in order for sure. it to be effective. We add a Zyrtec or a Claritin on top of that because sometimes it helps patients. For patients who say, you know what, I don't want to use any medication, we can try and use a nasal rinse like a neti pot, you know, or Neomed squeeze bottle to, to flush out, you know, flush out the nose. And for some people that that works. For people who have tried all the medicines and they say, Dr. Wolf, I don't want to take anything on a daily basis. I'm sick of these medicines. Then sure. we say, okay, we'll, we'll use allergy shots. And basically what we do is we inject you. Yes, we inject you with what you're allergic to. Hmm. So that's the, those are people who are positive. Okay, the people who are negative, similar, we use nasal steroid sprays. Um, like Flonase again, or Nasacort, Rhinocort, those are all nasal steroid sprays. Use saline rinses. Um, there is a spray called Azelastine. It is similar to Zyrtec, but it goes directly to your nose. And that is also very helpful for people who have 
um, allergies, but we're not taking that allergic aspect of that. We're using another mechanism of that drug. Allergy shots obviously wouldn't work for people who aren't allergic because we can't inject you with anything that you're allergic to because you're not allergic. <laughs> so your options are, you know, the nasal sprays. Gotcha. So here in Kansas City, we have interesting weather to say the least. So for instance, last week it was 35 degrees and today it's 92. Mm. Uh, and then we'll go back to 40 and back and forth and back and forth. So tell us, you know, kind of what you can expect from change of weather. Yeah, change of weather is a big one. If it's very windy, usually pollen likes to move with wind, with humidity and warm weather, it tends, it tends to move. And so that tends to cause a lot of problems for patients. Number two, if there's a thunderstorm out, that thunderstorm can cause pollen and such to come into the air. And if there's a really bad thunderstorm that next day, we'll have patients calling because they've had flares of their asthma, they've had flares of their, of their allergies. Also, when it's wet outside and you are stepping on the, the grass, the leaves that have molded or decaying, that also can cause symptoms as well. Sure. So weather patterns and weather changing really does affect allergy symptoms. Well, we are in the uh, the breeding spot then for allergens because we have the high winds, the high humidity, heavy thunderstorms and rains, tornadoes. So yeah, it's a joy. <laughs> Your allergy alley. Hey, I want to ask you back on the common treatments. Can you get addicted to nasal spray? No, you can't get addicted. Well, I will take that back. Not the steroid nasal sprays. Okay. okay. Um, there, you know, there are the pseudoephedrine type of nasal sprays that people like to use because it, it instantly will decrease nasal congestion. The problem with using nasal sprays that have pseudoephedrine in them is that you can have a rebound effect. And so at one point, they it will help your nasal congestion. And then at, at another point, it, it won't help anymore. Yeah. So we recommend that patients don't use those type of nasal sprays and to, to use more like the Flonase, the Rhinocort mm -hmm. nasal sprays. Okay, good to know. So how do you advise your patients to make themselves comfortable during allergy season? I mean, is there some set pattern to prepare or be comfortable while this is all happening? Great question. I always tell patients because some people have symptoms in specific seasons. Other people have symptoms year round. Mm -hmm. But for those who have symptoms in a particular season, they know as soon as spring hits, it's going to be bad or they know harvest time beginning of September is going to be bad. We tell them to start taking your medication whether that's your nasal sprays, really your nasal sprays, about two weeks before that season starts, because okay. you can prime your body to get used to the medication and to help fight those allergies. Great idea. So are there any new treatments for allergy sufferers? Yes, there are. The sublingual immunotherapy has been the new kid on the block since 2014. I know that doesn't sound too recent, but the newest FDA approval for a sublingual tablet was 2018. But before I go further, let me explain what I mean by immunotherapy. So allergen immunotherapy involves gradually increasing doses of the allergen you are allergic to. 
This causes your immune system to become less sensitive. There are two types. There's the subcutaneous immunotherapy or allergy shots and sublingual immunotherapy. And the sublingual, meaning we put it underneath your tongue, that has been the new frontier. So in 2018, the FDA approved oral layer, which is for five to nine-year-olds. It contains five grasses. It was actually previously approved in 2014 for adults, but they expanded the age in 2018. In 2017, the FDA approved Odaptra, which is for house dust mite allergy, and those for adults only. And then the two other tablets were Ragwatak for ragweed and Grastech, which is for Timothy grass in 2018. Basically, why is sublingual such a breakthrough? Well, it's therapy that can be done in the comfort of your own home. Unlike allergy shots, remember, because we're injecting you with something you're allergic to, allergy yep. shots can only be done in a physician's office. So mm. you take these tablets, you place it underneath your tongue, dissolves in 10 minutes. It's a daily pill for at least three years, and that would help with preventing allergies. Now, there is still an anaphylaxis risk, but it's a lot smaller than for allergy shots. So each patient who takes these tablets is always prescribed an epinephrine pen just in case they have anaphylaxis. So, hey, I'm going to throw you a curve here. I was coming back mm -hmm. on a plane from Boston last week, and the flight attendant announced that they had a passenger that was highly allergic to peanuts. Mm -hmm. And they asked people if you had peanuts there on board to not even open the bag of peanuts. So I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and this is all new to me because I never ran into other fellow students or childhood friends that were, were allergic to peanuts. So is this something new? Tell us more about the allergies of peanuts. So peanut allergy is not necessarily new, but I think we've recognized it a little more in the past 10 to 15 years. So for peanut allergy, only about three to 4% of the people in the United States are allergic to peanuts. Peanut is an allergy that if you have it in childhood, the likelihood that you will grow out of it as an adult is very small. Now, the biggest question for peanut allergy just like you mentioned, can you open a peanut, a bag of peanuts on a plane? Can someone from the back of the plane have anaphylaxis, meaning wheezing, shortness of breath, low blood pressure, pass out, they have to have an EpiPen. If you open up a bag of peanuts next to them or further in the cabin or you know in the front, the answer is no. Okay. So research has shown, there's been a lot of research that has shown that airborne peanut particles, there are not a large amount of them in the air to actually cause an anaphylaxis reaction. In fact, there's hardly any particles in the air if someone opens a bag sitting next to you or even somewhere on the plane. So okay. you, you do not have a risk for anaphylaxis, but in the media and movies, they, they always talk about this airborne anaphylaxis risk, which is hmm. which is not there. So they were just being overcautious. They're being over, over cautious. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Well, I, I just I hadn't encountered something like that. And and again, like I said, when I was growing up, peanuts weren't a big factor. With I, I, In fact, I've never saw anybody uh, have any type of reaction with peanuts. So just wanted to bring that up. Jansen, do you have any other follow-up questions? Yeah, you know, it's more of a statement than anything. It's the fact that one of the, the recent facts is, is that, you know, 25 million Americans have asthma. 
out of those 25 million, 20 million are adults and 5 million are children. I, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's something that, that people don't really think of. They think of more being a pediatric has allergies. Oh, they've got kids that have four or five kids in their class, blah, blah, blah. But they don't realize that many adults suffer on an everyday basis. Yes. Uh, I'll be really honest here is prior to having COVID in January, I considered myself no allergies, no seasonal allergies, never had any stuffy head, anything. I had COVID and this year has been the worst pollen mold, everything just, it gets to me, it gets to me very hard. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's a lasting effect of what COVID's done. What else can come? I don't know. And I, I didn't even have a headache or sniffles during COVID. It's everything that's been after. So it's amazing what, what our bodies do and change over time, too. Have you seen anything like that, Dr. Wolf, with patients that have prior to? I know this is all new because there's not a lot of data out there. COVID is very interesting in so many ways. I was finishing my internal medicine residency because I'm, again, internal medicine trained. I finished my internal medicine residency with the start of the COVID pandemic in which we didn't know anything at that time. I mean, absolutely nothing. We, we were just honestly just talking among each other through emails and, and blogs about what we're all seeing. So the information about COVID and its effects are constantly evolving. What I have seen for people with asthma is that their asthma can get worse or take a longer time for them to get back to their normal baseline. Now, those are people with asthma. Now, I'd like to say I, I attended a lot of the allergy immunology conferences that asthma is not a risk factor for mortality with COVID. So if you do have asthma and you, and you had COVID, you have a good prognosis. And that's what I've seen with my, with my asthma patients. But I have seen a change in their baseline, meaning that maybe they were mild asthmatics or intermittent, and now they're moderate asthmatics. That's number one. Number two, people that have not had any asthma issues now are starting to have, you know, shortness of breath. It's more of shortness of breath than they've ever had before. And it's not necessarily asthma, but it definitely has changed their physiology to some extent. Also, I'd like to say, I see a lot of adults for asthma and adult onset asthma. I have so many adults that come to me, whether they had COVID or not, who say, Dr. Wolf, I cannot believe I am this years old and you diagnosed me with asthma. Yeah. How did I go my whole life and be fine? And then all of a sudden I have asthma. Well, you could have avoided triggers your whole life. And then somehow you move somewhere, or, you know, you have a roommate, they have a cat or you got a virus. And maybe COVID yeah. was the virus Absolutely. and that virus unmasked Absolutely. asthma for you. Wow. And there yeah. you go. And there you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, great. This has been a great conversation about allergies. And like I said, uh, we appreciate you being on our podcast, especially with being May and the National Asthma and Allergy Awareness Month. Do you have anything else to mention out there about asthma or allergies? I would say that if you are someone who is suffering from asthma or you have this, you know, chronic cough or shortness of breath or wheeze, whether you're a child or an adult, make sure to see a provider to get evaluated for mm -hmm. sure. Well, thanks again for being on our podcast. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Exhale with Vitalograph. 
Your hosts are Mark Russell and Jance Lanier. We hope you enjoyed what you heard today. Please follow us for upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again on Exhale with Vitalograph.